God. Wolchuk? Wolchuk? What's wrong? Why aren't you... Why aren't you talking, Wolchuk? This is Cowboys Conversation, bro. This is your favorite. Oh, Monday. Hello? Yeah, what's up, dude? What's your freaking problem? Des Bryant got released by the Cowboys. What? Yeah, and you're playing We Dem Boys like this is some kind of oh my fucking celebration. God, dude, you texted me and said emergency Cowboys conversation. I left class on a Monday because I thought we were having a Cowboys conversation, a.k.a. a Cowboys party. So, wow, dude. Honestly, I am genuinely sorry uh, for... Just really not reading the situation properly. Holy crap, man. Uh, wow, so Dez is no longer a cowboy? No, no longer a cowboy. The 88 is gone. He's been cut by the team after eight years. The all-time receiving touchdowns leader is a free agent for any one of the other 31 NFL teams to sign. And the Dallas Cowboys are left with Alan Hearns, Terrence Bleepin' Williams, and Cole Honeybee Beasley, who is more interested in his rapping career than possibly his football career at this point, at the top of the receiver depth chart. Honestly, dude, whenever the whole Romo stuff went down, and I was with you that day, I thought that was rock bottom for you. I really did. And now I'm sitting here in the safest of spaces. Thank God it's a safe space. You look more defeated than I could have ever imagined. And first of all, I'm sorry. God, what a bad friend I am. And uh, I don't know. I feel like last time we got together on a day like this, sort of in mourning, uh, you know, it was, you had a little, it was pretty therapeutic for you, honestly, to, just kind of vented out uh, about Tony, and I know you felt better afterwards. And I don't know if we're going to send Tony off in elegant fashion. I can't imagine that we wouldn't send off Dez in just as, if not more, elegant fashion, being that you are the biggest of Desbians. And Desbian so for life. I honestly want to just step away. And I just want to open up the floor to you just to honestly just get introspective. You know what I mean? And just tell them how you really feel. San Antonio, training camp 2010. Young 18-year-old Wolchuk heading out there, group of buddies. Happened to be my 18th birthday. So young. Des Bryant's rookie season. And I'm at the Alamo Dome, and fortunately I was able to meet my one of my childhood heroes and a reason I'm in this business, the great Brad Sham, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Of course you did. And I was talking to Brad, and we look over, and we hear a commotion in the stands. And it's because we have the first Cowboys player enter the field 
for the start of training camp, first practice. And who was that player? Tell me. None other than Mr. Des Bryant himself. Young, wide-eyed, hungry, ready to become one of the best Cowboy receivers in franchise history. And if you were to watch Des Bryant practice, I would bet money that you would fall in love with that young man. He was one of the most athletic freaks of bleeping nature that I've ever seen. Was. Still might be. Eh. But we won't know. At least not on the Dallas Cowboys. From that moment on, I, I was infatuated with Des Bryant. And in all honesty, aside from the great Emmett Smith, the greatest running back of all time, the only other Dallas Cowboy that has really touched me and moved me quite like Emmett was Des. And the reason being was the passion that he played with and the pride that you could tell he had while wearing the star on the side of his helmet. And from that moment on, training camp 2010 in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome, Des was my guy. And I've had his back through and through throughout his rookie season where he really made a name for himself being an electrifying punt returner, taking several back to the house. Just a player, get the ball in his hands, and 88 will make a play for you. I remember it might have been his second or third season the Dallas Cowboys went up the Meadowlands to open up the season against the New York Jets. And this is when Revis Island is peaking. It's at its, its full prime, and it's Des Bryant against Darrell Rivas, a young, emerging, budding receiver on the cusp of putting himself among the game's elite versus the best corner the National Football League has to offer. And as Brian Moss, Darrell Rivas that night, he tore him up. And, of course, the Dallas Cowboys lost that game for one of many Tony Romo's eh, not-so-great, cringeworthy moments. But Don't it, go there. it wasn't due to any lack of effort from, from one Des Bryant. And the remainder of that career, we just saw big play after big play, great moment after a great moment. I think one that sticks out the most to me will be that 2014 season. Maybe the best we've ever seen Tony Romo and Des Bryant. The prime, the pinnacle of each of their careers. And it's only fitting that Des Bryant's career would also be marked by the final game that we really saw Tony Romo at his best. The Green Bay game. The catch that was, but that wasn't at that time in the NFL rule book. Today, it is. It's a first down and goal. Dallas Cowboys at the half yard line going in to take the lead over the prac of over the Packers in the NFC title game. But on the line. But it wasn't. And really from that moment, we saw Dez's career take a downward spiral statistically. And Tony Romo, well. The year following was was really it. We saw number nine under center as the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys due to injuries and the emergence of Dak Prescott. But in that 2014 season, on a Thanksgiving day, the Dallas Cowboys were defeated badly by the Philadelphia Eagles. And what had been a magic carpet ride of a season led by DeMarco Murray and a team that seemingly could do no wrong, but they are in a heated playoff battle for the division with the Eagles. And they turned around two weekends later, Sunday night football in Philly, a game that would really mark who would win this division this year. And Des Bryant caught three touchdowns. And he said right after that game, quote, 
unquote. We'll see them again, and it'll be a different story. And he backed it up. He came out and had, in my opinion, the highlight Des Bryant game you can find torching the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Eagles in that one. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Pittsburgh, 2016, Des Bryant loses his father. One of the shining moments we've seen between the much maligned relationship between Dak and Des. Well, on that night, it'll be remembered for the Ezekiel Elliott run to glory for the game-winning touchdown. But the one that sticks out to me is the Des Bryant touchdown deep down the left sideline. Dak finally puts it in stride. Des brings it in and brings it home. And the emotion that you saw from 88 as he threw up the X up to the heavens knowing that his dad was up there watching. People want to talk about the Brett Favre game against Oakland on Monday Night Football following the passing of his father. That was a Des Bryant moment to be remembered. 73 touchdowns in eight seasons, 113 games, more than any other Dallas Cowboy before him. And we send him out like that. It's heartbreaking. I don't agree with it. And we'll get into that a little later. But this is a time to remember Des Bryant for what he brought on the field, for the pride that he repped the star off the field and on the field. And say, Des, thank you, brother. I love you. It was an honor and a privilege getting to watch you play on Sundays. And I hope that you have success wherever it is that you end up. Desbian for life. Throw up the X. Hashtag Des caught it. Oh, man. Wow. That got emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Felt good, though. It feels feels good. Wow. You look, you do look a lot better. A little more color. Less green Mm. in the face. Oh, man. Is that just like a total... Yeah, that's a relief, man. Because you know what? Through all of this, it's just been tough to see Dez getting beaten up by the media. And people like, all of a sudden, oh, Des Bryant can't run routes. He can't catch the football. Basically, like, Des Bryant's no longer a, a capable NFL receiver, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Is well, he what he was? At the peak of his career, is he a top-five guy? No. But he was still easily the best receiver on the Cowboys roster, to say the least. I mean, let's not act like the guy can't play. So, to just see people... Just completely want to discredit what this guy's done through eight years with the Dallas Cowboys. That's a future Ring of Honor member, man. Come on. He's the all-time leading receiving touchdowns leader. And I've said that stupidly, but I don't care. You get what I'm saying. In Dallas Cowboys history, that's a big bleeping deal. Huge. So, look, say what you want about the guy. Whether you agree with the Cowboys cutting him, or not, I hated to see the 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 bad narrative and just that kind of the the social media hate that I felt was building towards Des by some people throughout this process. Yeah, I mean, it definitely they they certainly didn't totally respect him on the way out. When you think about the fact that they waited this long to do something that they've 
probably known that they were going to do the entire offseason. And I do wonder why they went this long instead of doing something like even Skandrick. I know Skandrick kind of pushed for it more to want to be released or whatever, but it's just surprising that they would drag it out this long, literally a month after free agency when all the money, all the receiver money is sucked dry. And you got guys like Michael Crabtree making money. And now Dez is going to be kind of lost. And now he wants to go to the NFC East. And wow, what the heck would that do to your your mind, your heart, your soul, and most importantly, your body? Man, I can't fathom that. Like power like, rank my, my the brain. worst. Like what's the worst case scenario? He goes to what, Ooh. Philly or New York? Philly. Okay, and then New York. Or would you rather him go? I think New York would be the one... You would mind the least? I like it would still bother me. For sure. But it would be the least. Wow. So Washington? I don't know. That's interesting. You'd rather him go to New York than Washington. Okay. Just curious. I, I, don't, I, don't, know, know I don't know if all Cowboys fans would feel that way. I feel like it's either the Giants 1, Philly 2, or Giants For a, You one. know what? It's because Washington sucks know. usually. But on the off time that the Cowboys lose to the Redskins, you remember how much you really hate the freaking Redskins. That's true. That's true. My my very good friend Hayden, who is a self-proclaimed desbian such as yourself. Love you, uh, Hayden. Yeah, he's definitely. Together, you guys brother. are definitely grieving together. Um, he certainly, certainly is on the same page as you. Uh, and he hates the Redskins. Well, I think most true Cowboy fans are. We, we get each other. We're on that wavelength. But do you st- do you still think he's a number one receiver in, in an offense? Yes, I think he can still be a number one receiver in an offense. But I think at this stage in his career, much like you saw a Jerry Rice do, uh, I, I and I know he's only twenty nine. I think def- de- depending on the fit, like if he goes to Green Bay, or if he cool. if he goes to Oakland, even I think he absolutely can emerge as a, as an alpha top guy. Man, statistically, a, I think he can get back. The to, Rams are just taking everybody right now. I'm like, why wouldn't the Rams? See, that's and if the I was thing. him, I would want to go there too. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. Tie my knot to McVeigh. It, it depends on like the situation he's going to. If he ends up being kind of a number two complimentary guy, like to an OBJ, and I think that's ideal. It probably. I is. think that's ideal. It probably is. Um, but I do think that d- depending on the quarterback, he can still be a number one kind of guy. I think he's got to have a guy like what Tony Romo was talking about, and and he talked about it recently on his the the podcast that Brad Sham had him on with him. It's just all about ball location, really, to get the most out of Des Bryant's skill set. Yes, he Des Bryant is what he is, and I can understand people the knock on him not being able to create separation. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily that he runs bad routes. I've seen plenty of videos come out in support of Des Bryant running all nine routes, running the full route tree, and doing it successfully and making elite corners look poor. Sometimes the ball's just not thrown his way. And maybe the quarterback had a better other read, but the bottom line is Des Bryant ran a route, got open. People just want to point on the negatives. But I think if you find a quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or even a Derek Carr or, of course, a Tom Brady, you want to talk about him and, and maybe a Randy Moss, kind of the, the evolution that they were able to have at that stage in Randy's career. If you get a guy that can put the ball in a certain place where Des Bryant can just use his skill set to out-jump people, yeah, I think you'd absolutely see some of the dazzling plays that we had from Des Bryant from really 2010 to 14 and glimpses of it in the 16 season. Yeah, I feel like you're right. He needs sort of he needs more of a risk-taking quarterback 
a, a quarterback who's not afraid to throw interceptions and is willing to just throw it up to a guy and have faith that he'll come down with it. Like, think about a Philip Rivers. Yeah, a Philip Rivers. I think, you know, uh, that's a great example. A guy who just believes in his arm to fit it into tight windows. Dak is a turnover-reverse quarterback. So while I hated that whole narrative about, well, Dak and Daz aren't a good pairing, I think that's stupid. If you have a talented wide receiver and you have a quarterback that you believe is the face of your franchise, there's no reason for those two not to get together and make it work. But I do see where... Des Bryant's skill set is at his best is when it is kind of a tight window. It is kind of a play where, uh, I don't know if this is the best decision, but I'm getting to give my guy to make a play, whereas Dak likes to say, I just want to make the right read and throw to the open guy. I do get that logic with it. But Des is going to need somebody like maybe, uh, like you said, Rodgers, or even Eli Manning. I think Eli Manning would Eli's be, one of those guys. He's going to chuck he's it up there. He's going to throw it, man, and and sometimes that's going to work and sometimes it's not. Or Dak's Joe Flacco, not the kind of guy similar. Do it. Yeah, He'll he throw it up sucks, there. Though God, if I'm yeah, he sucks. But but here's throw it the up. thing, though: if you're Des Bryant right now, don't make just a an off the whim, personal, emotional decision going to the NFC East. If you do have an opportunity to go tie yourself to a guy like Aaron Rodgers, now if I'm in the NFC, if I'm going to go to a place in the NFC East, the only place I'm going to is Philly, unless his mindset is he still just wants to make more money, and then that's fine too. But if he actually wants to win, man, go get yourself a great quarterback. This is your opportunity. You get to kind of choose your quarterback, at least out of like the three or four teams that are going to be interested in him. So go choose the best one, man. So if he goes to freaking Joe Flacco like Michael Crabtree just did, God, Crabtree's going to regret that unless he just, again, unless it's just a money grab for him, then beautiful. I love it. I'm glad but, you bring up Michael God, Crabtree. Flacco sucks. Go ahead. Because I think the <laughs> – yeah, I agree. I think – the timing of this is completely screwed. It's a slap in the face to Dez. It's a slap in the face to Dez, and I think it's dumb for the Cowboys. If you knew that you were going to make this move, which it seems like they did. Yeah. It seems like everybody with Jerry Jones in that front office was pretty much on board. Because even in the beginning, they were fishing around on Sammy Watkins, and then that didn't land. I feel like this would have happened sooner had the Sammy Watkins thing gone through. But then the Hearns thing took a while, and then they're like, but it's still, it still doesn't make sense. I'm okay, but you. either way. You had Michael Crabtree, who got released, signs with Baltimore. Let's say you know you want to part ways with Des Bryant, which it seems like Linehan, Garrett, Stephen Jones, because of the financial reasons, and reportedly a few players that were are the quote-unquote Garrett guys were vocal towards Jerry and saying, we want to do this. Why do you not do it at the beginning of free agency? You now allow Des to go wherever is the best-case scenario for him with teams that have money to spend. And now you allow yourself to say to, to go after maybe a Michael Crabtree if you want to, and maybe they could have done that. And Crabtree, but but let's say the the Ravens are interested in Dez. Dez goes there. Now Crabtree doesn't go there. Maybe he comes to Dallas. There's a domino effect. There's just other aspects and nuances that can come into play if you just do it then, as opposed to two weeks before the draft. Now you're tipping your hand to the rest of the league, and it seems like they're going to reach for a freaking receiver, which annoys the crap out of me. Yeah, I'm like, if you've if you've already waited this long, you might as well have waited till after the draft to make sure you landed what you wanted. But this is all really telling me that the whole time the start of free agency, the whole thing, once they swung and missed on Sammy Watkins, they were A-OK with landing or not, but confident in the fact that they were going to land Alan Hearns, and they were more than happy with doing just that. And they're okay with him being the guy. Now it's interesting that they've waited they waited this long to cut Dez after the fact of signing Hearns. And then also once you've waited this long, you might as well 
Just wait till after the draft. Make sure things fall the way you want them to fall. You've already screwed the guy over. It's not like another two weeks is going to do much difference. You've already, you know, he's missed his window of prime money-making opportunity and just general availability. Now most teams, a lot of teams don't need a, a, a one-and-a-half receiver, a two, a one or a two receiver. It's just they don't need that now. Thank you for the one-and-a-half. I know you think he's a two. I think so he's you're saying that for me. Yeah. I appreciate he's it. He's more of a two. But it's okay. He's a really good two, though, if he were a two. Maybe yeah. the best two in the league? I mean, I've seen twos better than him. Like, Oh, you've seen your own twos. Like that two you took on the roof? Yeah, that was Okay, definitely. no, but here's what I want to ask you. No. The logic behind this decision, from what I've read and heard, and kudos to the flagship station of the Cowboys 105.3 The Fan for doing an excellent job covering the Des Bryant cutting day on Friday. They did an, an unbelievable job, all the shows. From top to bottom. And I was able to learn a lot of information just by listening and some of the experts that came on. But it seems like the logic is Monday, so today, is the day the offseason program begins. So they they wanted to have this decision made as opposed to Des coming up to the offseason workouts, to the facility, and having that kind of awkwardness and awkward tension. They wanted to just make this move beforehand. Other reasoning. Now you've freed $8 million in cap space. From my understanding, you also owe $8 million in dead money, which is why I think that this whole thing was stupid to do. You should have ate this season, let Dez come back. If things didn't get any better, then you make the move next year, and all you do is pure profit. You just save money towards the cap, but whatever. They didn't do it. The deed's done. You all know I don't agree with it. Let's move forward. You got to trade for Earl Thomas, right? That's what they're going to try and spin for it. That's why you do it before the draft. You say, here you go, Seattle. It's now the day of the draft. You don't have a second or third round pick. You're starting to get a little draft frisky. Here's 50. We're going to dangle it for you. Here's 50. Do you want it? Give us Earl. Maybe it happens, and then you've got money to sign him to that extension. That is very good thinking there, and that would align with some of the reporting that I've that I've read about, that the Cowboys would be interested in going after a guy like Earl Thomas. And then this would all make a little bit more sense for sure. Because then it's not necessarily a money grab; it's just a transfer of money. You'd rather have Earl Thomas than than Des Bryant, and I certainly would. So, uh, yeah, that would that would bode well for Dallas if they only have to give up their second round pick, then they have enough money to restructure the contract or extend Earl Thomas like he seems to want to. That would be great, and then that shores up the back end of the defense um, and beautiful. So if if that's if that's the plan, great. And I get what you're saying. Seattle may wake up this morning and think, no, it's not something I want to do. But once you get there on draft night and you're dry of picks, like Seattle is. And you see some guys uh, falling. And the and moment, like, mm. the festivities, the energy, the vibe, the excitement, the draft, the hope. Man, Pete Carroll, John Schneider. They're going to pick up that phone call. And they might let old boy walk away because he's also kind of rubbed them the wrong way. Especially Schneider. I know Pete Carroll stepped in and was like, no, 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 we still love this guy. Even though he said, basically, I want to go play for the Cowboys. Schneider's I don't think though? Schneider's I don't think Schneider's is too upset about getting rid of him. So I like where your head's at there. That would be awesome. And I think would that help you? Would that relieve some of this Dez this the loss of Dez? It would if if Mike Fisher, who also has done outstanding work and had a Facebook live interview with Dez, didn't come out and say it probably could have been done with Dez still on the roster. So like financially, if you still could have made that work by keeping Dez uh, then no, I, I'd have liked to have had both, obviously. I'd have liked to have just kept this offense intact, bring in Earl Thomas, and then get yourself a starting linebacker and a starting guard in this draft. 
and let's go to work, baby. Let's run the football. Hope you can get the same kind of 16 days, if not better, working in year three with Dak. You've got Earl Thomas on the back end quarterbacking your defense. I think you got a real shot to push for a championship. Now, they're probably going to reach for a damn wide receiver in the first round. I hate that because I think it's a really deep class. And there's a lot of dudes that I like that you could get in the second or third round. But if you trade that pick for Earl, you don't have that second round pick. I am 100% with you. I think them reaching for one of these receivers is foolish, especially since none of them are number one guys in five years or especially this next year. So none of them are immediately helping you that much. The offensive line still needs that extra little boost at left guard, and that guy from Georgia is just, he's the guy that I want. Unless one of these linebackers, you know, if Edmonds or if uh, if uh, Smith falls, great. But, man. It seems like they really love Leighton Vander Esch from Boise State. And I watched him. You've watched more of him than I have. He, w- he was a lot better than I expected. I was expecting to hate him. He actually is a really good run defender. He's got some good things. And I heard, dude, he played six-man football in high school. Nice. So when he got to Boise State, I mean, he got there basically as a pure athlete, dominated in six-man. He had a huge learning curve. So to me, there's a ton of upside there. And there's been a lot of comparisons. I guess maybe it's because Rod Marinelli coached Brian Urlacher. And, of course, they're both white linebackers. So we're going to go there. And they're comparing him to maybe similar attributes to a Brian Urlacher. And when you look at their combine numbers. Kind of reminds me of like a Zach Thomas. He's a lot bigger though. Maybe even I think like he's a, six foot four. Zach Thomas was five eleven. Maybe right? even like a Keith Brooking. Keith Brooking, I think, was a little bit bigger. And Keith Brooking both played for the Cowboys. You know, even just like uh, like Clay Matthews, like a Scott Shanley, like a Scott, or like even a Scott Fujita. Oh, Scott Fujita. Was it was it a Silent H? No, it was a Fujita. It was Fujita. Okay, I always thought it was Fujita, but I liked saying Fajita. <laughs> so did I. So, and I don't know. He's got a little Kiko Alonso in Ooh, him. Oh, Kiko. Certainly. Yeah, he definitely has got Maybe some, some Kiko Keekly? What do you think? Luke Keekly? I can see Keekly. I, I definitely see it. Uh, also, a little Sean Lee. Ooh, well, that, that would be a great because you know Lee's going to miss a third of the yeah. games. Yeah, that's so you need that a guy. Vanderess, she just reminds me of a lot. He's just the he's just a whole package deal. Really is. Just, yeah, Keekly. Slightly better Lee, than James Laurinaitis, I think. Definitely better than Laurinaitis, but I can see it, though. Yeah. Definitely see it. Similar. Uh, what about, you hope not, but also you can see it. Bobby Carpenter? Oh, uh, hope not, but God, I can see it. But you can see it. Well, right? I think Bobby played out of position his whole career as well. That's true. That's true. I just don't think he was built for that inside stuff. He was really a 3-4 outside linebacker that got bounced around the league. But you can see it, though. But I can see it. <laughs> you can see it. A.J. Hawk, I think, is better. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's more, of, it's more of a likely Honestly, comparison. Honestly, that, that is more... Uh, I can see it. Let's just say But that. I can see I it. I can definitely see it. Yeah. Definitely see it. So we'll see. I would like that pick more than I would like any of these receivers. Yeah. Well, because it's pretty it's, much like I just don't want a receiver. <laughs> yeah. I really just don't want a receiver. <laughs> and I know sure. that this. Even though you're throwing to a bunch of. I, schmucks, you got a bunch of. You schmucks, got a rapper. You got a guy who hasn't that. played in two years. Dude, give me DJ Shark at 81. Yeah. Or give me Michael Gallup. Oh, please give me Michael Gallup. Or maybe God blesses you and Anthony Miller slips into your lap in the third. Wow. That would be huge. Yeah. Huge. Yes. Almost as huge as the mock. You know, getting back to Vander Esch, he's also got a little Frank Zombo in him a little bit. Oh, Frank Zombo. I haven't I heard know that reference can, in a while. I, I know you can see a little bit of Frank in him now. I think he's I think he's way more athletic than Frank. Definitely more athletic than Frank. Don't get me wrong. But like but like when you watch the film and like even without the film, even really with just a, a photo. Just a can, shirt on? You can see it. Yeah. You can see I it. I can see it. Well, we'll we'll see how the Cowboys draft plans unfold, but 
I, I say they should go O-lineman in case we don't get to meet back in the safe space before and really get nitty-gritty and some draft stuff, which I'm sure we will. But right now I'm going – I'm still – Dallas, go get that offensive lineman. Sure up that O-line to be bad freaking ace. What you need to do is Protect that quarterback and run the ball like a boss. I'm with you on that. Go well, get you a number two receiver in the second or yes. third round. Okay? And so your dream scenario is a quarterback slips. Maybe it's Lamar Jackson to 19. Or a tackle, maybe like a Colton Miller's there. Get the Patriots knocking on, calling, like, we need this guy. You're able to slide back, maybe pick up an extra second. You still make the trade for Earl Thomas. You've still got a second. So now you're able to get an Anthony Wynn or or a Connor Williams, whoever it is, Hernandez, late. You get that guard. You plug and play. You're ready to go. You got Earl Thomas. You got your safety. In the second round, let's get ready to rumble. We take a wide receiver or a linebacker. Probably a linebacker. Maybe Vander Esch slides. You know, and speaking of Vander Esch, I, I also I don't mind a little. Uh, you just looked up white linebackers. I don't. I don't, I don't mind a little Brian Cushing. You know, uh, I, I can. I, I see... prefer my linebacker without steroids. Well, you, I the thing is, is I can see it, and the other thing is, is you know, Paul Puzlesny, he's got Vander Esch oh, written Paul. all over him. I mean, Puzlesny is Vander Esch. Well, what if you get a Josie Jewell? In the second round. Wow. Wow. Now we're talking, and I can see it. Yeah. No, I can definitely. If, I, if I've if i seen anything, I've seen that. And then, the, and then the other one is just, you know, maybe a little Teddy Brewski. Oh, the Brewski. You know, just bringing it back home, full circle. Mm. Vander Esch, he's got a little Brewski in him. So, well, there's some linebacker talk for you. No, you love that. God, I love linebackers. We will have to do a draft show. So, on Friday, we're going to do a bleep around 420 edition. It, it, it is a holiday. But we'll be back next week. I'm sure we can pick a day to at least come up. And if, if anything, just record a draft segment for you guys the following week. Eric's trying to graduate from college, so trying, our schedules have been a little muddled Trying. Here. Honestly, but, even for Vander Esch, you know, a little Jack Lambert. Oh, Jack Lambert. We're, some, we're going into the archives now. He's got now. some Lambert in him, though. I don't know how I just thought of that, but I did, and I just I want to get all the comparisons out there. You all know? right, that's all fair. That's all fair. I'd kind of, I think uh, Patrick Willis would be better. Whoa. No, no, no okay. Navarro Bowman. Wow, that no, no, that doesn't really just they're just not the same just style. Not the player. same. Just in terms of especially Davis? when you look at athleticism and no? whatnot, it's okay. just it's just not all there. But maybe maybe if you're sticking in San Francisco, maybe a little Chris Borland. <laughs> maybe a little Chris Borland. Now he obviously retired pretty quick. Wisconsin, yeah. So I hopefully can see that it. doesn't happen with Van Der Esch, But don't get me wrong, I can see it. Who can't? No Split Seats Podcast, Zach Wolchuk, Eric Chia, follow the show everyone can afford to listen to. Thank you very much. It's been the Des Bryant farewell on this Cowboys conversation. Throw up the X, everybody. Des, we'll see what happens to you next. We'll be back on Friday for a bleep around 420 edition. Hugs and hand pounds, everybody.